Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. The Shockers are going dancing after a lackluster time down in Fort Worth. A little sweating on Selection Sunday. The Shockers do make the tournament in the first four. We'll get you ready for Thursday's matchup with an old friend, the Drake Bulldogs. Also break down the NCAA tournament and give you all the info you need for this week's start to the madness. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. I was hoping a change of venue from St. Louis down to Fort Worth would give the Shockers a little different vibe in the conference tournament, but that certainly didn't happen. A 68-67 win over USF, where they only uh, are leading for a little over three minutes in that contest. Untimely loss to Cincinnati, 60-59 in the semifinals, but they do make the NCAA tournament. First four matchup against the Drake Bulldogs. Taylor, uh, you know, we had been talking with a lot of bracketologists here over these last uh, few weeks, or at least you had, and they said they're probably, you know, had about a four to five team cushion. We saw Georgetown win the Big East. We saw Oregon State win the Pac-12 and started to sweat a little bit as we got down to the wire there, but the Shockers are in. Second appearance in the first four. Last time was in 2016. Your thoughts on uh, the the selection show and the bracket and kind of where things sit with this team here. Yeah, I mean, it was such a nerve-wracking 24 hours. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, and, you know, kudos to uh, CBS for getting right to it. I mean, I was uh, kind of just, you know, all, uh, sudden. And then, obviously, Wichita State's in the first bracket. So, you know, you didn't have to wait long. And um, Yeah, I mean, just uh, uh, for them, I mean, going in, I mean, they, they felt like, you know, publicly they were, you know, confident because they felt like the, the regular season championship was going to be enough. That was going to be. Uh, you know, a big chip, uh, you know, in their corner. Uh, but, you know, behind the scenes, I know those guys were, were nervous. They were sweaty. You know, they, you know, whenever you leave it up to the NCAA selection committee, just because, you know, it's such a unknown, uh, you know, it's going to be nerve wracking. So I think that's the, and I'm sure a lot of fans have seen that video by now that Wichita State uh, posted on their, on their Twitter. Um, yeah. I mean, just such a genuine reaction of, you know, because there was, there was some tension there in that room. So for them to, to react, even you know, Isaac Brown, you know, I'd be the, the calmest dude, uh, you know, of all time, you know, even he was jumping around. Uh, uh, you probably missed him in the video because he looked like one of the players just jumping out, jumping around and freaking out like that. So, um, yeah, you could just tell by their reaction that, you know, that was a huge release for them. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is, uh, just exciting to be back in, you know, March Madness, uh, playing again in, in the NCAA tournament. You know they played in the last eight of the eight of the last nine now, um, so uh, this is you know to get back to dancing. This is what Isaac Brown wanted to do. This is his vision for the program moving forward. So to be able to get it done in year one, you know we've uh, we've talked a lot you know on podcasts this whole year about uh, you know this improbable march to the to the NCAA tournament. So don't have to go too deep in that, but yeah, just all those emotions built up from this. Uh, this uh, improbable run uh, and just, yeah, what a storybook ending. And now it's like, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, for a lot of fans, it's like it, they're just happy to be here. You know, this is exciting just to be back in the NCAA tournament, whatever happens after this golden. 
obviously the players feel a little bit differently. They they want to win. You know, they they want to make a run. They feel like they can make a run. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll get that get to that later in the show, just breaking down uh, the matchups. But uh, yeah, just overall, just really exciting for Wichita State, Wichita State fans, and uh, to be dancing again. It, it feels good just to be back. You know, just to have an NCAA tournament again that that we can look forward to. It sure does. You mentioned Wichita State's been in eight out of the last nine. It's their 16th appearance of all time, but no one on this current roster has NCAA tournament experience outside of the two senior walk-ons, Bryson Bush and Jacob Herbs. Uh, Herz, they were on that team that went out to San Diego and lost to Marshall. But other than that, no one will have NCAA tournament experience, and so it's got to be an exciting time for the entire roster. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, um, no scholarship players has ever been to the big dance. All these guys have just been uh, hearing about it. Dexter Dennis mentioned it on our, our call on Sunday night that, you know, he's been in the program for three years now. He's been hearing about those NCAA tournament runs from the Ron Baker, Fred Van Fleet era, you know, the Landry team uh, four years ago, like you mentioned in San Diego. And they've been hearing about these NCAA tournaments for a long time. So to finally be a part of them, uh, really meant a lot, especially for the the guys that are coming back from last year's team. You know, they had so much adversity. Guys like you know Dexter Dennis and, and Mo Udeze, Isaiah Porbear Chandler, guys like that that could have left. You know, Trey Wade, um, and then you have someone like Altree Gilbert. You know, such a good story there too. You know, just, uh, has never uh, played in a postseason game in his life before this last weekend in the AAC tournament. Just a lot of fluke injuries, just weird stuff. Obviously, the pandemic last year, so. Uh, for him to finally get a chance, uh, his uh, you know fifth year in college, that's pretty special. You could tell that really meant a lot to Altarique. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of feel-good stories all the way around. And, um, yeah, and then they're going to, you know, obviously want to make the most of it this week. We'll get to the bracket here in just a little bit, but I do think the you know the opportunity is there for them. You have a, the first matchup with Drake, but then that 6-11 matchup, we've seen them have success there in the past. The 2016 team was able to take down six-seeded Arizona. And then another, you know, maybe old friend possibility in, in playing the winner of Kansas and Eastern Washington. So we'll get to that just in a second. You talked about a lot of feel-good stories. I will say Fort Worth was not necessarily one of them. We saw a one-point win over USF and then a loss in the semifinals to Cincinnati. I, you know, big picture, I don't feel like the team rather really ever got into a rhythm in either of these games. They didn't really seem to have an ability to get the ball down low to Morris Udeze. A lot of passing around the perimeter. You know, Tyson Etienne has 20 points in the first game, but then Altery Gilbert in the second uh, game, he scores 14 points, but it's on 16 shots. So just maybe talk about both games uh, in general, just really never really able to get going down there in Texas. Yeah, like you said, yeah, it was rough going, especially for the offense in both of those games. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that first game, yeah, it, it was kind of a miracle. It felt like a miracle when they won because it just felt like they were in a hole the whole game. And, uh, you know, I went back after, and, you know, it, it, that's basically what happened. You know, they trailed for 35 minutes in that game, which was season high uh, for a, a game that ended in a WSU win. Uh, WSU only led for just a little more than three minutes. Uh, as you remember, they made that nice run at the uh, near the end of the first half, and you felt like, okay, now they're turning it on. That was probably the best they looked all weekend. Was you know during that first half run, it's like, okay, they, uh, here they go. They're gonna you know put the uh, put their foot you know stomp them out. 
And, you know, USF, give them a lot of credit. They, they came back. They, they played uh, probably their best basketball of the season, those two games in, in Fort Worth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was really impressive for them to come right back in that half on a 14-0 run and put WSU uh, back in that deficit. And, you know, WSU just did not look good on offense for a lot of that game. All three Gilbert uh, kind of got them rolling with those threes. Uh, you know, Monty Jackson had a nice little run to keep them alive. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of different players kind of stepped up, you know, Craig Porter had that nice, uh, block and steal and layup. Um, Ricky council had some really good moments there in the first half. So you saw some bench protection production in that game that saved them. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a weird two games for the offense because it, like you said, I mean, it never looked, they never looked uh, comfortable, you know, in long stretches of the game. It just seemed like they were going uphill, uh, you know, for all 80 minutes and, uh, you know, Tyson Etienne, you know, every team is just going to be glued to him. And I thought the Cincinnati game, uh, they did a good job on him. But, yeah, it just felt like WSU probably could have done a little bit more uh, to get him some looks. I mean, only uh, six threes, it feels like, you know, in those have-to-have-it games, you know, he, he probably should be firing. Uh, uh, you know, he gets 11 shots, which is a, a decent amount. But, you know, in those have-to-have-it games, you would expect him to maybe take a few more uh, for Wichita State on offense, and um, and yeah, it just seemed like they were taking a lot of off the off the dribble jumpers. Uh, like you said, I mean, it was tough uh, going for Mo Udeze down low, you know, up against uh, two seven footers back to back days. So um, yeah, it was just a, kind of a struggle bus. And then yeah, it's just one of those uh, performances where they're going to have to learn from and uh, you know take the take that lesson away, and uh, yeah, just forget about it and move on and. Uh, we've seen them do it before, so you know it's kind of reminiscent of you know early in the season when they they took their lumps early and then learned from it and then uh, made that run uh, to to win the AAC championship. So they'll try to do the same thing this week. We thought the rebounding issues had been resolved. Not so much down in Fort Worth. USF out-rebounded Wichita State by 8. Cincinnati out-rebounded Wichita State by 9. Mo Udeze had the key play in the USF game, getting that charge there in the final seconds. He also had a career-high 11 rebounds in that game. I'm going to take credit, or actually I should say maybe I'm the one to blame for the runs in the USF game because started out pretty poor. I got a call from a client. I go up on the concourse level. I come back all of a sudden, we're up by five points. The second I get back to my seat, USF goes on that run, and now we're down double digits again. So I actually went back up to the concourse for the second half and, and watched it without the, the group that I came with because I was the uh, the bad luck charm there. Cincinnati, you know, I've always said the Shockers do better as the hunter, not the hunted. I felt like Cincinnati came in and wanted a little bit more. They played fantastic defense, ran out of steam on, on Sunday against Houston. You know, Houston played well, but also... That you know that wasn't necessarily close in that championship game, but I guess at this point you just you have to be happy the Shockers made the NCAA tournament. We kind of wiped that one clean. I know IB said he was going to be watching the film of the Cincy game and and hopefully some learning lessons there. Yeah, and uh, you know if they didn't make the tournament, you know hard to point any fingers. I mean they would have to feel like uh, you know if you can't get, you can't close the deal against the Cincinnati team in the second half. I mean. That, that was going to be the reason they missed the tournament. I mean, the whole appeal of Wichita State was, uh, you know, a clean team sheet. You know, they didn't have a bad loss all season. And uh, that was one of their biggest chips. You know, the regular season championship was obviously always going to be make them stand out. The win over Houston was a, a nice chip that a lot of bubble teams didn't have. 
And then the third thing was they kind of made up for their lackluster uh, Ken Palm and predictive measures, you know, predictive measures, uh, just, uh, their success never translated in those. I mean, they were pretty, pretty far outside of the, you know, top 50 in pretty much every one of those measures. But, you know, the thing that made up for it was they had no bad losses in the, the net system and uh, taking a loss to Cincinnati outside the top 100, a quad three loss. Not a great time to, you know, pick the first time to, to drop one of those games. So that was that was the major concern because especially after, you know, Georgetown, uh, Oregon State, two bit thieves happened on, on uh, Saturday. Was, uh, I saw I read somewhere that was like one of the first times uh, that two major conference bit thieves have happened. So you almost never see that in those major conference tournaments. Usually it's from, you know, those mid majors. Uh, so yeah, just a weird year for the bubble teams and uh yeah wsu i mean they they put themselves in a very precarious situation by by losing that game to cincinnati and man that would be a really tough way for them to to miss out on the tournament because you know that game you know keith williams missed the whole second half you know that's cincinnati's best player uh you know they were already shorthanded you know with some of the COVID off opt outs they had late in the season that was just not not a great loss for for WSU, and obviously you saw what Houston did to them in the championship game. So um, that was not going to look, uh, you know, the, that would have been a very poor way to end, uh, you know, their, their season on, you know, in terms of an NCAA bid chase. So um, yeah, they're they're very happy that they get a chance for redemption here, and uh, I think they'll come out and play much better on Thursday. Uh, now that you know the backs against the wall again, uh, they're probably going to be. Uh, I actually saw on the betting lines they open up as a favorite, but I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, slamming Drake just because you know their predictive measures, you know, Ken Palm and stuff like that, uh, are much better than WSU. So I would expect that line to go down to maybe a pick 'em uh, by Thursday, but we'll see. Um, so I, I think they just have that underdog mentality about them, backs against the wall. I think that's going to bring out the best in, in this WSU team. Going back to this team making eight out of the last nine NCAA tournaments, they've always struggled in the conference tournament for whatever reason, but then the NCAA tournament have had success because not as obviously those are quick turnarounds, quick scouts, and, and those programs aren't necessarily familiar with uh, their sets and different things going on. Now, it hasn't been so long ago that Drake was playing Wichita State, but uh, hopefully that will help them this week. The uh, Just one stat finally on the Cincinnati game, both teams shot 40% from the field. They made 22 field goals out of 55 attempts. What it came down to, in my opinion, Wichita State was 6 for 12, 50% from the free throw line. You just make a few extra of those free throws and the game looks completely different. Now they are, you know, used to playing in close games, which I think will also help this week. They're 10 and 2 in two possession games this season, and all of their games against D1 competition outside of three have been decided by 10 points or less. So as, as you know, it, 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 tightens up here at the end of the season and it's a must-have uh hopefully uh those late game possession uh experiences will will come through for the shockers let's talk about the drake bulldogs who they'll play in the first four on thursday game tips at 527 on uh thursday p.m central standard time will be broadcast on tbs Bulldogs are 25 and 4 on the year, 15 and 3. Ken Palm ranked number 53. They lost to Loyola by 10 in the Arch Madness semifinal. You had a, an article that came out yesterday. You, you had a lot of content getting pumped out yesterday at Kansas.com, but you had five things kind of quickly on the Drake Bulldogs. Give me your thoughts, big picture, but also talk a little bit. They're they're dealing with some injuries. 
Yeah, they're uh, they're not the same team that started the season eighteen and zero. They lost one of their best players uh, to injury. You know, Roman Penn, uh, senior guard for them. Uh, he's really really steady point guard, average uh, almost six assists a game. He will not play. And then another one of their players, another senior forward, uh, Shaquan uh, Hempel. Uh, he is also questionable for this week. Uh, he's going to be day to day. I think they. From what I've been hearing, he's trending in the right direction. They think he's going to be available, but he missed, uh, you know, the, the end of the season. Real nice. Uh, there, he's actually their leading scorer, fourteen points, six rebounds. So that'd be a big addition for them. Uh, but basically, uh, when once ten went down, uh, they they basically promoted uh, their sixth man, Joseph Yusufu, and he has just gone in you know, to you know super scion mode. I mean, he's averaging like uh, twenty four points in his last seven games and. Uh, he's just been a handful for all these teams, especially, I mean, Evansville went 36 and then 32 against them. So uh, he, he has just been, uh, you know, shooting lights out, uh, finishing at the rim, uh, you know, getting to the foul line. He's going to be a really, really tough guard for uh, WSU to handle. I, I'm going to be uh, interested to see what they do with him. He's a six-foot guard, pretty shifty. So uh, is that a Dexter Dennis assignment uh, or just due to height, I mean, is this someone you put, uh, you know, uh, Altery Gilbert on? Um, I'm going to be curious to see what they do with him. Uh, maybe uh, Dexter's length can bother him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is a, a good, solid, uh, you know, offense. They, they share the ball. They, they never turn the ball over. They get good shots. Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting offense because they almost never shoot three-pointers. Uh, you know, they're 303rd in the country. And three-point rate, they're good three-point shooters. You know, they make uh, over 36% for the game for as a team. So uh, they can hit the three ball, but uh, they don't like, uh, you know, that's not their first preference. Uh, and they're even better at making two-pointers. So they, they're very good at getting to the rim, getting good shots inside the arc. And that's going to be where, you know, the emphasis is for uh, WSU's defense is, you know, inside the arc, uh, making sure you can defend the rim. WSU doesn't have, you know, the traditional shot blocker. Uh, you know, rim protector type like Jaime Echenique was last year. So um, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Drake has a big dude inside, 6'10", 275. So uh, Mo Udez is going to be up, uh, you know, against a pretty big size disadvantage. Um, other than that, though, they're pretty small. So it's not like uh, Trey Wade should be able to match up pretty well. And then, like I said, I think Dexter, I would guess that he probably uh, guards Yusefu, um would be my guess, but it probably depends on you know if Hemp, if uh, that Hempel guy is uh, 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 comes back and is ready to play, he might uh, guard him uh, because he's a really good scorer too. So um, you know I haven't done the the deep dive on Drake yet uh, to see how WSU matches up, but I know that you know uh, they're ready to play. Um, you know, I think the fans love this matchup, uh, you know, playing at old Missouri Valley rival. Um, so, you know, just looking at the advanced metrics, I can tell you, I mean, Drake's defense is pretty, you know, um, run of the mill for a March Madness team, probably slightly below. So it's not like uh, WSU is going up against, uh, uh, you know, elite defense uh, or really good defenses that they saw in the Americans. So I think you can expect a different style of game, maybe a little more offense. Uh, uh, hopefully no more, you know, 60, 59 slug fest, uh, like we saw against Cincinnati. Uh, so I think you can expect a kind of up tempo, maybe something like that old miss game, you know, uh, something the first one to 80, uh, might win something like that. And, um, I think it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. And I think, uh, Tyson Etienne, 
uh, you know, you just, you have the feeling that he's, he's due for kind of like one of those explosions. So obviously WSU is going to be hoping that that comes on Thursday. The Bulldogs score 77.4 points per game. They allow 64.7. They shoot at 49.4% from the field, 37% from three, as you mentioned, 71% from the free throw line. They're plus five in rebounding margin. They average seven steals and three blocks per game. Wichita State's played Drake more than any team in program history. They have a 104-47 and record against the Bulldogs. You know, let's just let's discuss the elephant in the room. We have to win this game. You left the Valley. You said, we're too good for your little small town conference. We cannot lose this game. Just like if if we went and played, you know, Creighton or when we play KU and everything else, and you're on the other side of it. But simply put, we're going to have a lot of egg on our face if we lose this game on Thursday. So that, that's all the analysis you need right there is win this for all those Wichita State fans that have been talking trash, saying, I don't want to go to Terre Haute anymore. I don't want to go to Des Moines anymore. I want to be in a big boy league. So we got to put our big boy pants on and win. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good point, too. And because, uh, I mean, I, I've just seen, you know, some Wichita State fans in my Twitter mentioned, yeah, they've kind of, uh, especially once WSU was kind of on the bubble and they saw that Drake was, uh, you know, on the right side of the, the cut line. Uh, bemoaning the fact that the Missouri Valley was going to get two two teams and the American might not get two. So a lot of fans are kind of freaking out about that. And like you said, I mean, it's just a rivalry that dates back to the Valley. Uh, you know, obviously that's going to get renewed on Thursday. I don't know if it's as much, uh, you know, as intense because Greg Marshall is not here. I feel like a lot of the Valley fans kind of fed off of that. They, they really liked the, uh, that rivalry with, with Greg and he, you know, he, he did, a, you know, he he, he did uh, his part in kind of stirring the pot and, and kind of making WSU the, you know, the bad guy. And uh, you know, IB is just not that way. I mean, complete opposite. I mean, he's. I, I asked him about, you know, did he care if uh, it was Drake? Uh, does that do anything just because it was, uh, you know, rivalry a couple of years ago? And he's like, I, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be playing in the NCAA tournament. We could have been playing anybody. I'd be this excited. So. Um, I think uh, Greg probably would have had a different answer there. I think he would have uh, uh, maybe relished uh, playing a team from the Valley. So maybe not as intense, but like you said, I think for WSU fans, this is one they they feel like they have to win because, like you said, bragging rights are, are definitely on the line here. Well, also, Drake used to be garbage. <laughs> Like if we look at the last 10, 15 years, I was, I mean, when we're looking at these NCAA tournament predictions, it is, oh, Drake, are, are we sure they got the right team in there? Like that was the little brother we used to go beat up on the time. And, and now little brother's grown up a little bit, apparently. So we cannot yeah, lose this, this game. A, yeah, this is their third best uh, season in school history. So um, I think they had a elite eight team, I believe, um, is what I saw. Um, and then uh, the championship team back in like 2008, um, and then this is basically the third best team. So, um, yeah, this is uh, pretty rare for them, and uh, they're obviously going to be looking to capitalize on on one of the best teams in school history. So, yeah, they're they got a lot, a lot of eggs in their basket too for this one. Yeah, that's true. I, I hear everything you're saying. I see what the metrics say, but I'm just it's just simple. Just win this game. <laughs> all right, just get make make sure it hey, happens. It could have been worse. You look at the other. First four game, Michigan State and UCLA. Now, I wouldn't be intimidated by UCLA, but Michigan State's beat like three of the oh, number one Nick. seeds, right? So it's yeah, it's pretty you got Nick insane. over there on UCLA too. So that that would have been fun too. Uh, another Mick Cronin sighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Now, if we look back to 2016, the only other time the Shockers were in the first four, you know, you took down Vanderbilt right out of the gate. Then they beat Arizona. That's the Sean Miller sweat game. And then they ran out of juice against Miami in uh, in that third game. But call me crazy. I think the bracket, you know, looks pretty good for them as well if they're able to get past Drake. You'd go on and you'd play a USC team that was 22-7 and on the year, 15-5. and Ken Palm ranked number 14. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because they're always playing late at night out on the West Coast. But Pac-12 teams do not scare me. And I, I think this would be a, a game that, you know, you, you could see another upset in and Wichita State you know advancing even further usc is a pretty scary matchup for wsu that i mean they got the nba lottery pick and i know they've seen you know kate cunningham before but you know evan mobley is a different dude i mean he's a seven footer who can do it all and i would be, <laughs> i would be very interested to see if uh who wsu would put on him um because he can he can do some pretty special things uh um, can even step out and shoot a three occasionally and then obviously his brother too um uh, so they go seven foot six ten. They're a huge team. That will be a difficult matchup for WSU. But like you said, I mean, this is uh, kind of the same thing. You know, when they they took on the Pac uh, Pac twelve team in Arizona, um, you know, they on Kempom they are a very good team. You know, Kempom ranked fourteenth. They have the number thirtieth offense, number nineteenth defense. So, um, you know, according to Kempom, this is a pretty underseeded uh, USC team. You know, they should probably be you know a seed line or two higher. Um, so that's going to be a, a tough matchup for WSU, but I think, uh, uh, I remember that, that run last year, I always, just always, you just always hear about, you know, the first four teams, you know, just, uh, they're battling fatigue and, you know, the travel and, you know, it's just such an uphill battle for them to, to make a deep run because, you know, they had to play that first game. I think an interesting, um, change in this tournament, obviously, you know, they're all playing in the Indianapolis area. So the travel is not going to be. Uh, you know, really a factor. They're going to play West Lafayette on Thursday and then probably back in downtown, or they will play in downtown Indianapolis if they win and play on Saturday. So that's only an hour away. They come back to their hotel after that game. Not, they don't have to worry about travel. I think that's a huge part of, you know, there's the mental wear and tear. And um, when you make those deep runs like that in, in the first four, because I remember how crazy that, that travel was for, for WSU last time they were in the first four games. So, that, that's a little reason to, to hope, too, for WHU is that the travel element is now eliminated. So I think it's easier uh, to, to see, you know, a first four team uh, make a, a run like that. The game on Saturday, if they make it, would tip off at 3.30 p.m. on TNT. It is interesting to point out that it'll be in a different venue. A lot of people have thought, you know, if you're a first four team, you get used to the rims, you get used to kind of the backdrop, but it will be in a different venue, but still not the the travel issues that you would have had in the past. And, you know, this is another opportunity for, you know, Wichita State to kind of go out and earn some respect. USC's coach Andy Enfield, they asked him, do you know anything about Wichita State or Drake? And he said, I think Wichita's in Kansas. Kansas, I, I think Drake's in Iowa, but that's about all I know about him. So, you know, after making Hollywood, eight out of nine tournaments, you should have known what you should know about us, okay? And plus, you got the big name, you got the USC on the front. Like, let, let, let's go. Let's go prove, the, prove them wrong. Yeah, and you can guarantee that uh, WSU players will hear that. I think uh, Lou Godino is a master at, at digging up uh, quotes like that, finding uh, you know, bulletin board material. I know he's, he's done this a couple of times during this year alone, um, where he kind of turns. I mean, I, I don't think he was, uh, you know, Andy Enfield was trying to disrespect WSU or anything like that. But 
I think you can turn that quote into bulletin board material and, and something to, you know, fire up your guys on. So, um, I bet the WSU coaches will be all over that. Um, you know, they listen to these coaches shows. They look for any kind of nugget, any kind of quote, anything like that, where, where uh, the other team is, uh, anything they could even spend into disrespect, you know, behind closed doors. So, um, you can, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will hear about that and they'll have plenty of motivation if that matchup happens. But obviously you got to get past Drake first. They're, they're a really good team. So WSU, they're going to be focused on uh, that game and they have their hands full on that, in that matchup. USC almost lost in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. They had a double overtime game with Utah. They ended up losing 72-70 to in the Pac-12 semifinals to Colorado. So, I don't know. I, maybe uh, I haven't seen enough of them play this year. Maybe I was just watching you know, Oregon State kind of run through the Pac-12 tourney there, but I think they'd have a shot. The Trojans score 74.8 points per game, allow 65.1, shoot at 46% from the field, 34% from three, and 64% from the free throw line. So, hack the those boys and uh, send them to the free throw line, I think we'll be okay. They're also a top 10 offensive rebounding team too. So, you know, obviously with WSU's problems, defensive rebounding, uh, that would be a major concern, especially, you know, when you got seven foot, six, 10 brothers, you know, going, going after every offensive glass, that would be a huge challenge for WSU. But obviously, you know, if they win that first game, they're going to have some confidence, and, uh, you know, have, uh, have some good, good feelings going into that game. So, we see it. We saw them do it against uh, Houston. Uh, not necessarily keep them off the offensive glass, but you know they they really went to the offensive glass themselves and to to win that rebounding battle against uh, Houston. So maybe you can see that again, because I, I don't think that uh, you know WSU is going to be able to keep them off the glass. So they're going to have to have a, a really good effort on the other end to, to you know even that up and make it feel. Uh, like you're not just getting pounded, you know, on second and third shots every time down. So that, that's going to be a tough matchup, like I said. But uh, yeah, I mean, first things first, you got to beat Drake. All right, you keep trying to bring me back down to to earth here. I'm, I'm trying to think <laughs> big picture. You know, they beat USC. Now we're playing the Jayhawks. Now, now we got something going yeah. on there. You got Jalen Wilson. Yeah, you got Creighton uh, in the bracket in this uh, area. You got, I believe, Gonzaga. We're not going to get too far uh, down the road there, but uh, there's just a lot of interesting storylines with uh, you know old friends and uh, just interesting matchups for the Shockers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a very um, again, I feel like these these storylines are are just more intense with with uh, when you know with Greg Marshall as a coach, just because he was kind of the face of the program and a lot of you know he's a lightning rod for you know criticism from the outside. So um, I, I still think though that you know Wichita State, like you said, you know it's still a name brand. I still think it's uh, um, you know they have a chance to you know make another write another chapter in you know their March Madness history and uh, you know this team. It's it's kind of weird because it's like what does this team do really really well like why why would you pick them as an underdog and like it's kind of hard to explain you know there's no really uh, you know advanced stat or anything where you can point to it's like okay WSU you know is is top ten in this or uh, you know even I think uh, taking care of the ball is probably the best thing that on you know on paper that they do uh, limit turnovers but that's not really you know something that's gonna you know, make you feel like uh, good about picking them as an underdog, but maybe it's just you know the, that ability to find a way to win these close games, and uh, maybe that uh, you know playing with fire uh, throughout the whole season, being able to uh, you know have that feeling of playing in close games, knowing what it takes to win them. Maybe that that's their their secret sauce uh, for March Madness. But 
um, I always thought that was kind of interesting because, like, what would you guys say? Like, um, you know, if you're trying to explain to a non-WSU fan, why should I pick Wichita State to make a run in the tournament? Like, what's the one thing that you point to? They can muck a game up and still somehow <laughs> win it at the game. <laughs> never, I mean, how many times have we said it all season long? It never looks pretty, but they get the job done. I think yeah. if I was going to pick them, I'm going to say they always play to the level of their competition. <laughs> like outside True. of the Memphis game, they've always played to the level of their competition. So now they get NCAA competition. I expect them to play at an NCAA level. And I just think, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the fact Wichita State has always done better in the NCAA tournament or in those early season tournaments, in my opinion, because their brand of basketball, if you've not seen it before, uh, you know, tends to tends to travel well. I think, you know, we see the offense look a lot smoother in this game against Drake or these first couple games, hopefully, than we have all year, just because, you know, you don't have all these long athletic teams in the American that have scouted out everything that Wichita State's been doing over the last few years. And and so I, I think just naturally, you know, playing new teams from new areas of the country and different things like that should uh, fall in their favor. Do you think that advantage goes away a little bit with Isaac Brown as the coach? He tends to give the players a little more free reign to do what they do, a little less structure. So I, I completely agree with you. That, that's that been true over the Greg Marshall era. Do you think that has changed enough to where it's less of an advantage now than it used to be? I mean, I think uh, I think it, it will still be an advantage uh, just because, like Dustin said, that, you know, all these American teams knew exactly what they wanted to run. Uh, you know, obviously everybody scouts everybody. Uh, you know, IB didn't really do too much differently than w- with the Greg system. And um, I think once you get into these games where, um, you know, the scouting takes, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of time to prepare for you. I think they, they will have a chance to maybe get a few more cleaner looks from their sets uh, compared to what they were against American opponents because those teams were so good at, at I mean, I feel like every team in the American was really good at just mucking it up and, uh, you know, forcing teams to play ugly. So I think that's probably the defining trait of, of the American conference. and. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Dustin had a good point too about, you know, they're, they're used to winning when they're not shooting well. And I think that's a huge, um, quality, a very good trait in a team is that, you know, a team like Drake, you know, this is a team that ranks top 30 in the country in effective field goal percentage. They're used to shooting the ball. Well, um, they probably haven't won. I haven't looked at the, you know, the, like I said, the deep dive, but I'm guessing they have not won too many games where they haven't had a good shooting night or, you know, those, those nights where they're, you know, can't, can't make uh aren't shooting well from inside the arc, uh, you know, not finding, not finding any threes on the outside. I would uh, probably say that, that they're not used to playing games like that. So WSU might have an advantage there if, you know, they are able to play good enough defense to muck it up uh, to, uh, you know, get that game in the sixties. But like I said, I think uh, I think both offenses are going to play well in this game. I I, I think it's going to be more like that Ole Miss game where it's pretty free flowing. You're going to see both uh, both teams going back and back and forth with it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a game in the high 70s, uh, maybe reach even the 80s. So um, I would enjoy watching a game like that a lot more than you know, some of these last games where you know WSU is going you know five six minutes without a field goal and. It's been pretty brutal uh, on offense uh, the last couple of games, but I, I just have a feeling that, that things are going to open up a lot more in this first four game. 
you know, Drake's, Drake's defense isn't, you know, anything to be scared of, uh, you know, 120th on Kempom. They don't really do anything especially well, according to the numbers. So I think WSU, you know, this is going to be uh, a game where their offense can get going. And to answer your question, I do think they will be able to run uh, more sets to get uh, good, good, clean shots compared to what we've seen the last two games. We had the play angry era. Maybe this is the play ugly era, you know, and just muck it up <laughs> against these guys. If I was sitting down with IB and giving him a pointer, which he doesn't give a damn what I have to say, but if I was sitting down, coach can. my request would be we need to dictate the game to Drake. Use that athleticism. Put on some press early in the game. Put on some pressure. They haven't seen Dexter Dennis type defense, at least in my opinion, in the Valley this year. So get up in their shorts a little bit. Let them know you're there and, and dictate it to them. Don't just kind of wait until the end of the game to have that sense of uh, urgency. I think, you know, it's the first four. We got to have a sense of urgency from from the time the ball is tipped. You know what's interesting, yeah. Taylor? You mentioned that you think that the offenses will be a little more free-flowing. Interesting stat from the season. When Wichita State scores 65 points or more, they are undefeated this season. So if there's a high-scoring game, I like Wichita State's shot. Yeah, Coach Kuhn, you're, uh, you're 1-0, right? Oh, that's true. Here. I beat Old Miss last year. Now, Coach, I beat beat so Old Miss this year. So we're even. <laughs> yeah, you, you know a thing or two about coaching basketball at a high level. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, the other thing that's important to point out: Joe Lenardi had sixty-seven of sixty-eight teams right in his bracket. You know the one that he missed, the Wichita State Shockers. So I, I think this, you know, this storybook season is not quite over just yet. Final point on the Drake game, Taylor. Wichita State wins if I think they win if uh, you know they shoot well from the outside. I think if they hit ten threes, I think uh, which they they had been doing. You know they had actually been shooting the ball really really well going into the conference tournament. Um, let me look. So and they actually hit ten against USF that first game, and then they shot well against Cincinnati actually too. They shot forty one percent. Uh, just didn't take enough to get to. They had nine. So, uh, you know, ever since uh, that UCF game back in January 30th, they have been right at 10, it looks like, on their average. So I think if they keep that three-point shooting going, uh, I like the Shockers. Um, you know, like uh, like Brian said, you know, if they, they get in those high-scoring games, anything over 65, they've, been, uh, they've found a way to win. So I think that plays to their advantage. Um, so I'm going to say that they're going to have to shoot it well. And, yeah, if they hit that benchmark 10 threes, I think, uh, I think they get the job done there. I'm going to be in Las Vegas. So uh, if you want to give me uh, any of uh, your money to lay down <laughs> some bets or anything like that, Shockers are currently a two-point favorite. And if you look at the seat list, actually the Shockers would be the higher-rated team in here, regardless of what the uh, metrics say. So were, were you surprised that that was the case? I was. I was. I, yeah, I felt like <laughs> I mean, just talking to uh, uh, Rocco Miller, kind of my go-to uh, bracketologist. Uh, I met him a couple of years ago at a Wichita State game, and uh, we've kind of uh, we've formed a nice friendship. Uh, just talking college uh, college basketball, and uh, he he runs his own uh, uh, bracketology site, the Bracketeer dot org, and uh, so I just uh, you know keeping communication with him, and we weren't even talking about Louisville because we felt like they were in. We were talking about Syracuse and Drake and WSU and uh, Utah State. We felt like those were the teams that I was going to come down to. And for Syracuse and Utah State, 
not even being a play-in game. That was pretty hard to believe. We were surprised that Michigan State and UCLA got bumped down uh, just because of the wins that Michigan State had. Obviously, the record doesn't look great, but just the, I mean, nobody had the, the best wins that they had uh, you know, in that seed range. So we were pretty surprised with how that, that shook out. And then, yeah, we figured that Drake would be ahead of WSU on the seed list. Uh, coming in, which I'll say was actually his last team in. So he had, uh, you know, he, he had them in that first four game, but he thought that Drake was going to be right above them. And he thought it was going to come down to Wichita State and Syracuse. And he thought, he thought WSU had a, but a better, uh, resume than Syracuse. So that was pretty surprising to see them make a, make it that far up the, the cut line. And, um, and then like we said, I mean, Louisville was a huge surprise. So, uh, for them not to make it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised and I, I was surprised that WSU opened as a two point favorite just because the Vegas line usually mirrors the, the Ken Palm metrics. And, uh, you know, if you look at Ken Palm, you know, Drake opens up as a two point favorite. Obviously, I don't know if that, that I don't think that factors in the pen injury. Um, and obviously hemp pill is going to be, you know, a day to day thing. So that's going to swing the line. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't think that would be a, you know, four point swing though. I, I would uh I would have guessed that this would have been a pick 'em game. It just seems like a pick 'em game to me where, you know, Wichita State and Drake are pretty, you know, obviously Drake has a little bit better uh predictive measures, but you know, WSU's coming in playing really well whereas, you know, Drake is, you know, they've lost four games and in uh since uh February they've dealt with some injuries, so they're a little bit more of a question mark, but it felt like a pick 'em game to me. So I'm honestly surprised uh that WSU is getting two points. Um, so I would like, I think that, that, that line gets bet down to closer to pick them by Thursday, like I said, but, um, yeah, if you like the shockers, I would just go money line. If you like them, just, I mean, don't even, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, you know, this, this, this game is probably going to be close. It's probably going to come down to that last, the last possession. So, uh, they might not even cover two points because it might be another one point game. So knowing them, I mean, they're just a magnet for, for close games. It doesn't matter if they're up 10, they find a way to, to make it close. If they're down 10, you know, they're going to rally and make it close again. So, um, I don't even know if two points is safe. I would just do the money line if you're going to bet WSU. So with the Hemphill injury, I know he had surgery on his foot like three or four weeks ago. Is he even really going to be in game shape? Because we, we talk about, you know, some injuries you come back and guys are able to recover, but with something like that, I can't even imagine he's able to do much physical activity. We see teams that go on COVID pauses and they're just out of shape, you know, being being out of activity for that long. Do you think that – I know he's their leading scorer. I know he was a super key player to the great start that Drake had. Do you see him really being able to make an impact even if he is available for Drake in this game? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's just so hard to know because, you know, foot injuries are so dicey, uh, especially for basketball players. I mean, it, you just don't know how they're going to be able to react to them, if they're going to be able to cut, explode the same way. Um, so um, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, you know, without seeing practices, I mean, they haven't played obviously for a week now. So um, it's surprise. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's too hard to, to guess. I would say that just everything I've read, I've been reading about him is that he's trending, like I said, it's trending in the right direction. Um, they think that he's probably going to be back for this game on Thursday. So, um, but who knows how, how effective he'll be. And I think if he does play, I would guess that WSU would start Dexter on him just to see, uh, you know, how well he's moving. If he's really, you know, back at full strength, then 
you know, you're going to want Dexter on him, then that kind of opens up some other possibilities that um, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, I think Tyson Etienne is a little bit better defender than uh, than Altariq, but, you know, do you want your best offensive player, you know, your go-to guy expending that much energy on defense? So I think they're going to hide Tyson on somebody. Um, they're going to put Dexter on Hemphill, uh, obviously Mo on the big guy, then uh, put Trey on, um, you know, the other person, uh, whoever uh, Tyson's not guarding. And then I think Altariq might start out on, on Yusefu. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Or maybe they threw they throw uh, Drake for a loop and start the game in zone. Who knows? I mean, they, we've seen them play a little bit more zone this year as kind of a change-up thing. That would be something that I think would uh, kind of throw a wrench in Drake's plans uh, just because they don't like to shoot threes, um, you know, compared to everybody else in college basketball. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'll have more game coverage, like I said, coming up on Kansas.com Wednesday, Thursday for sure. Um, we're talking to the guys again on Wednesday, um, so you can expect uh, more game-centric uh, questions, uh, quotes coming out of that session uh, on Wednesday. So um, a lot of it's going to be an interesting matchup, um, and yeah, it's just fun to be you know talking March Madness basketball again. So it's uh, an exciting time. This is what you know all the fans love. I mean, I love covering an important basketball games, so I'm I'm excited to, to dig in myself. Tell us what it was like being in Twitter jail. Oh, it was miserable. It was terrible. That's the last time I ever tweet about Memphis. <laughs> I, I yeah, saw was, a news uh, article, was, right? Memphis, if anybody tweeted the word Memphis, they got put in Twitter jail or something like that. Unless you were verified. Yeah, so verified account's good. And just another, uh, you know, just another reason why I should be verified. So get at me, Twitter. Yeah, where's the blue check mark? Come on, man. I know. Yeah, I mean, it was just like unreal. I've, I mean, I've been on Twitter since uh, I think 2010. I've, I don't think I've ever heard of a uh, you know a glitch like that where a word was getting people banned, and then like of all days for it to happen. And even if it was, even if it happened on like Sunday morning, you know, it, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But it happened in that five-hour time frame of, of March Madness selection selection Sunday. So just. Uh, Terrible timing. Um, I was pretty frustrated by it, but uh, yeah, I was able to to get back on. I think it was like an hour after the selection show, so uh, I was able to tweet uh, later that night. But yeah, it was pretty disappointing because I actually was telling people my prediction was WSU versus Drake in the first four. So I have the receipts if anybody would like them. But I was going <laughs> to tweet that out before the selection show. I was going to look like a genius and Nostradamus uh, and, right here. And, and yeah, now uh, you know Twitter. Twitter put me in jail, so it was, uh, yeah, pretty. Uh, I was driving back from Fort Worth too, and I was like so confused about when I got the the email that my account had been shut down, and I was like, I was like, what is, what did I tweet? Like, I had to go back and check to make sure I, like, I didn't like misspell something or put like a, uh, you know, a curse word or something. I was like, I just tweeted a quote from uh, Mike Oresco. For people who don't don't know, I just tweeted a a quote saying, uh, um. Oresco explaining why Wichita State and Memphis didn't get a, a, an important game schedule later in the season. That was another thing too that his, uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a little bit of a uh, you know not a very satisfactory answer you know for fans where he just said it was a competitive equity um, um, problem for for why Wichita State and Memphis did not get those important games added to the, the end of the schedule um, and that. Kind of what I heard was that, you know, Memphis was supposed to come here the last week of the regular season, 
Uh, they were supposed to play in Wichita on that Thursday. And then when the conference flipped their, the Memphis game from when they were supposed to play Houston um, in Memphis, they flipped that to now Memphis had to go to Houston on the last day of the regular season. And then, you know, Memphis freaks out and says, hey, we're not going back-to-back on the road. We're not going to Wichita and Houston, you know, to end the regular season. Uh, so that that got thrown. I think that's why that game did not did not happen. Um, so that just threw a wrench in everybody's plans. And, you know, that, that's obviously a tough ask for, for Memphis, you know, uh, you know, when they're trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then you schedule, you know, two really, really difficult road games back to back, you know, obviously they would want uh, some time to prepare for, for both of those games. And they just, I guess they felt like that it wasn't, uh, you know, the, uh, a great fit for them. So um, it was kind of interesting to hear Oresco kind of talk around that. And um, he said, uh, he, uh, he brought up a quote from LBJ about how he felt like a donkey in a, uh, in a field where uh, when it was hailing, where you just have to stand there and take it. And cause I'm sure he was, you know, Houston people were mad at him. Memphis people were mad at him. Wichita people were probably mad at him for for not helping them out. So, um, just a tough year. I mean, it's just uh, you know the coronavirus stuff has just made it really really tough. And I think the American probably, uh, you know, if you would ask them in a private moment, they probably would have admitted that we probably could have done a little bit more. We could have tried to to reschedule maybe a little bit more aggressively in the middle of the season so things didn't know get backed up that much at the end of the season so but you know that's, that's such a tough job for their schedule makers you know you didn't know how the season was going to play out you know there's no playbook for for how to you know go about this something like this so it was just such a unique year so um i think you just have to chalk it up to you know a one-time experience and hopefully things get back to normal teams are able to play a full non-conference schedule next year and then we're not I don't think that American is going to be back in the situation next year where they're just having to squeak a second team in. I think all in a normal season, they probably would have got a third and then maybe we're trying to squeak a fourth in, but just because of the condensed schedule um, that just threw a wrench in a lot of these teams. So honestly, we get back to normal next year. Honestly, Memphis looks like they're going to be somebody to deal with next year. They look like they started to figure it out you know, partway through the year. And I imagine, and just watching their games against Houston, I think they're going to be formidable. You know, Houston's going to be formidable in the future. I'm hoping Wichita state continues to be, you know, what they, what they've done this year. And when nobody thought they could do it, you know, continue to be really, really good. And we'll see what, what the rest of the conference can do. Since he should oh, be yeah, good again. I think, yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. I think Memphis is uh, Memphis is, is the NCAA tournament caliber team. I, I don't think there's any question about that, the way they played Houston. But, you know, you look at their resume and it's like... There's nothing there. It's tough to... Yeah, I mean, there's nothing there. You can't really... You couldn't make a case for them. That's just really unfortunate because, you know, if you watch the Memphis-Houston regular season game, the conference tournament game, I mean, that, that those are two high, high-level games. And obviously Memphis fans, they're, they're probably feeling like, hey, we're... We, Memphis fans probably feel like they are a better team than Wichita State. And obviously, you know, Wichita State's the one that's going to the NCAA tournament. So, uh, I mean, I think the American, they, they, they should feel like they should have got three teams in. But, you know, from the NCAA selection committee standpoint, you got to show something on paper, too, that you're, you're worthy and deserving more than just, you know, playing a team close. So that was really tough. You know, Memphis, like I said, I think they're the biggest victims in this. 
uh, fluky season because uh, I think in a, a regular year they would have gotten to the NCAA tournament, and they probably—I mean—they have a case to to feel like they were, you know, a better team than Wichita State, uh, just because you know, hey, we beat you guys by 20. We're the only team to to you know run you guys out of the building. Every other game was close, but you know, we obviously never got that return matchup in Wichita, so we'll never know how that would have ended. But and Memphis was a scary looking team. Their defense was on a whole nother level. Bookie Ellis was, you know, making big time shots. You know, Landers Nolly is a big time shot maker too. So they're, they will be a dangerous team if they can keep up that motivation in the NIT. Obviously, that's always a concern when you get into the tournaments like that, you know, um, just with the, the motivation for those guys missing the NCAA tournament, are they still going to play at the same level? But if they do, yeah, they, they would certainly be a, a title contender in the NIT. Something else that came out of the commissioner's comments is it sounds like the conference tournament's going to stay down in Fort Worth uh, for the next few years. I don't know your thoughts, Taylor. I thought Dickey's Arena was fantastic. I thought it's a good venue. Oh, yeah, yeah. The staff A-4. there was so nice, uh, you know, welcoming you to the arena, thanking you for coming. Uh, they made the club level free for people. Usually you have to have like a special pass to go up there, but they told fans after the games, you know, go up there, have a drink, get some food. Uh, do whatever you want, and and then just Fort Worth as a as a town. And there's not a lot of hotel options, real real close to the arena, but uh, there's you know, a lot of stuff to do and some good dining and, and things like that. So I was yeah. pretty impressed well, with yeah. the weekend overall. Yeah, it was a plus for sure. I uh, I mean, I really liked it was when it was in Memphis a couple of years ago, just because a huge barbecue fan. You know, they had the Beale Street. Um, you know, the arenas. You know, you walk outside, you're right on Beale Street. So that was pretty cool, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have it at a neutral site, Fort Worth is about as good as it gets. And, um, like you said, I mean, nothing really close to, in terms of hotel right next to the arena, but that's not where you want to be. You know, you want to be in downtown Fort Worth. And I thought there were a lot of really cool hotels at a pretty reasonable price. And you could walk around and the, like the dining options were just a plus. I mean, you could find good food around there. Um, just about anywhere you turned and then, you know, it's less than a 10 minute drive to the arena. So. Uh, it was a perfect setup. Uh, Dickey's Arena was uh, incredible. Um, you know the the floor, uh, the the huge scoreboard above it. Um, you know all the amenities. I thought it was uh, really really cool. So yeah, I mean obviously once you can have fans in there, I think it's going to be a really fun experience. You know obviously Wichita State's going to you know uh, always travel well in, in normal years. So you know it's a quick drive or flight down there to Fort Worth and. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for Wichita State fans in the coming years that, that missed out on it this year. And, uh, yeah, once we get back to, to normal, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot more fun when, you know, you can have, you know, a couple thousand fans in the stands and uh, make it feel more like, you know, Coke Arena South down there. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. We spent a little bit of time talking about the cut line with the uh, bid stealers coming from major conference tournaments. So, I want you to tell me, buy or sell, should Louisville have been included? And if they should have been included, who would you have dropped from the field? So not necessarily if Louisville's in, Wichita State's out. Uh, but if you put Louisville in, do you drop Drake? Do you drop Syracuse? If, if, you were, if you were the bracket maker for a day, who are you putting in? Is it Louisville or somebody else? So who, who's on the outside looking in? Taylor, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting Louisville in, um, and I'm taking Syracuse out. Like I said, I mean, talking to Rocco, um, you know, I thought they were just breaking it down the way that he breaks it down. Uh, you know, looking at Drake, Wichita State, Utah State, 
compared to Syracuse. I just I thought there was not even a comparison. You know, all three of those teams had winning records on the road. Syracuse was two and seven. All three of those teams had, you know, at least one or two marquee wins. You know, Syracuse best win. Uh, they do have a, a Q1, um, but it's in the B quadrant. So it was a, a road game at North Carolina State. So, you know, net 73. So it was barely a Q1 game. So they're one and seven against quad one. So it just wasn't a great look. Uh, they were six and one against, you know, in, in Q2 games. So that was nice. But, you know, if you, uh, if you look at the other teams, I thought they were just a little more impressive. So uh, I would have put Louisville in there and dropped Syracuse. I will agree with Taylor just to keep the show moving. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that. I, th- I think that makes, it makes a lot of sense. And what frustrated me as a, as a fan, at least was that no one ever talked about, like you said, Taylor winning road record. No one ever talked about the strength of schedule that Wichita state played both in non-conference and overall, which was very strong when you compare it to the other bubble teams. Also producer Ro- Brian wanted some respect put on our name for beating Oral Roberts. Cause we had another and still two wins against the field. Put some respect on it. <laughs> All right. Second, we're talking about missing ingredients, the struggles in a conference tournament, is Wichita State just missing the energy level? Like, if you could put something on this team, you talked about it a little earlier, Dustin, just not ma- imposing their will on somebody else. Is that the ingredient that's missing from Wichita State right now when you watch them recently as they kind of closed out the regular season, not super inspiring, not completely dominant the way we've watched Houston play to close the season out? Is that is that the missing ingredient? Like, Wichita State just needs to have that energy level up from jump and impose their will on an opponent? I think it's a very good question because one thing I noticed being at the conference tournament is in the game against USF, like their whole team was standing up. They were clapping. They were into every possession. Several times the referees had to tell them to sit down. You didn't really get that vibe from the other end. Same thing happened with Cincinnati. Part of that, I think, is Coach IB is just a fairly laid-back guy, and you think guys like Dexter and Tyson and really the whole team is you know, what I'd feel pretty laid-back. But I would still, if I'm adding one thing to this team, it's a big old seven-footer like Echenique last year because <laughs> uh, I still think that's our missing piece. You mean like Asbjorn Midgard, who's also going dancing? Easy there. <laughs> All right, that's what, a good what story, do you have? Feel, it is feel, a good story. I I mean that's uh, that's what you know rebounding. That's I think that's the one thing that this team is missing. I think uh, I was talking to one of the coaches, and they said that they had talked to somebody who knows kind of the formula for Ken Palm. And uh, if you would make WSU just an average defense or rebounding team, so right now they are three hundred and thirty third uh, in the country in defense or rebounding. I think there are let's see, there are only three hundred forty seven teams playing. Uh, college basketball this season so one of the worst teams in the country if you would just make them average which isn't even really asking a lot because you know this is a team we're talking about a program who's been top 40 for like you know 18 of the last 19 years or something like that so if you would just make them average though their overall Ken Palm rating would have been in like the 40s like that's how big of a difference that 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 is such a huge thing that is holding them back and these predictive measures that we're talking about uh that uh really is the reason why you know they were on in the bubble in the first place because i think if you know they were predicted their ken palm and um bpi and all this stuff was better then i don't think you're even talking about wsu on the cut line because you know they do have that uh regular season tournament uh or regular season championship so 
Um, I think rebounding um, is the biggest thing um, for me. You know, just defensive rebounding, like you said, it just goes with what Dustin said, uh, a seven-footer or just add someone that can uh, maybe a power forward to that could just go get, go get the ball. So um, I think that's the biggest thing this team is missing. So one of the things we've kind of talked about, you know, we're just going into the weekend, going into the NCAA tournament, looking at the personnel, who is the guy that can really make an impact, really get Wichita State over the hump. I'm going to go John Rothstein here. I'm going to say Dexter Dennis for Wichita State is better than a Swiss Army knife. He does everything for Wichita State. He rebounds, he defends, he blocks shots, he can score from the perimeter. He's athletic enough to get to the rim. Buy or sell is Dexter Dennis the X factor for Wichita State having a long stay in the NCAA tournament? Let's start with you, Taylor. Oh, that's a good question. I will, I will buy that. I think Dexter. That's a good, uh, good one uh, to kind of pinpoint. He's been shooting the ball uh, really, really well since February, and it kind of plays into my, you know, if WSU can get to ten three pointers, you know, obviously Dexter's going to hit a couple of them. So I think if he has a good March Madness, I, I do think. Uh, I mean, obviously, if he has a good March Madness on defense, you know, he's going to be slowing down the other team's best player. Uh, if he shoots the ball well, uh, that's only going to help WSU's offense. So I think that is a good player to kind of pinpoint. Uh, you know, if, if he plays well, then I think WSU's going to have team success. I'm going to sell that, and I'm going to go a little random here. I'm going to say it's Altariq Gilbert. And there was a lot of fans on Twitter talking after the game against Cincinnati. Altariq Gilbert was the leading scorer with 14 points, but it was on 16 shots. Uh, when he plays efficient, when he is more of a uh, you know a, a pure point guard, when he's distributing the basketball, finding guys' shots, I think the offense looks so much better. Sometimes when it's not looking so good, tend to get a little bogged down, and he kind of has to try and, and make some hero plays late in the game. So I think the better Altariq plays, the better this team will look. All right, and finally, let's get your assessment. Just overall, Wichita State, buy or sell, they survived the weekend. When we are talking again next week, it's about another Wichita State shocker game. Well, I mean, technically by surviving the weekend, they would just have to beat USC because they wouldn't play KU until Monday. So does that count oh. as surviving the weekend? Because <laughs> I, I am I am very bullish on the Shockers beating USC. I'm not impressed with the Pac-12. Not impressed with <laughs> Bill Walton calling games. Not impressed with any of it. I think the Shockers take down the Trojans. Now, it hates everything about the West Coast. <laughs> And, you know, gun to my head, I, I think they would have a shot against KU, but I, I, I don't know. And and also, I'm going to go back to the thing we've been talking about all year. Who knows what will happen with COVID? I mean, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. You could have teams drop out. You could have different things happen. And so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. But my, my prediction is, just like in the first four in 2016, they win the first one, they win the second one, not quite so much in the third. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that. I'll be the bad guy here. I think uh, I I think Ooh. USC is just a, kind of a nice. I think it's a nightmare matchup. I think uh, that's uh, you know the, the style of play that gives WSU the most problems is, is teams that can hurt you on the offensive glass. And you know going up against uh, you know an NBA lottery pick that's a seven footer unicorn kind of guy. I mean that's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna be a very challenging task for uh, Mo Udeze. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you would like to have a, you know, a big seven-footer to put up against them, but you know, the way that WSU plays, they're going to be, you know, outmatched if they get there. I, I have a feeling, I do have a good feeling against the, in the Drake game. I, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't done a deep dive, but just you know, looking at kind of a first glance at the the Ken Palm, um, 
you know, I, I do think that WSU is better equipped to win a game if you, you know, if they're not shooting well, both teams are still, you know, trying to adjust to, you know, playing in a new venue like that without very many fans. I think WSU is better equipped to win a game like that, but, um, you know, it could be a shootout too. You know, they're pretty good, uh, pretty well equipped to, uh, to winning games, uh, you know, in the seventies where, you know, teams are shooting, you know, 40, under 40%. So, um, but against USC, I think that's going to be a, a tall, a tall order. So, um, I, I think they get one, one win, but I, I don't see two. Producer Brian, tell us about the Talk Angry Bracket Challenge. How can our listeners join that? So if you want to put your basketball wits up against Dustin and Taylor and say, I know more about college basketball than these two guys, and I should have a podcast, then you need to get the ESPN Tournament Challenge app, and under the groups, after you fill out a bracket, go look for the Talk Angry Podcast 2021 group, you can submit your bracket in there. Um, we'll we'll kind of keep track over it. You know, maybe maybe throw out some uh, mentions on Twitter as it as it goes through uh, the the entire tournament and just kind of kind of have some fun. And the password to join is Talk Angry, all lowercase, one word. We've had a lot of listeners already go on and uh, fill out a bracket. We've seen some positive response on ShockerNet, and and I'd be interested to uh, see who wins. And we gotta we gotta give them something. So you know maybe like uh, dinner for two with Taylor and Dustin, or uh, you can come on the show. Make sure it's something romantic if you're gonna do that. You can do uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> buy or sell segment we'll have plenty of dinner rolls there for <laughs> taylor so yeah i, I think that yeah, sounds we'll go like to a texas nice roadhouse time. yeah absolutely so all right taylor what's coming up this week at kansas.com yeah we'll have plenty of tournament coverage uh, i actually talked to um got a big story coming up on i believe it'll be thursday morning um It'll be coming out with uh, Altery Gilbert, Dexter Dennis. I spoke to both of those guys about uh, their mental health journey. And, uh, you know, obviously Dexter uh, uh, took some time away last year. And then Altery had, had his, uh, you know, his own, uh, you know, journey uh, up at UConn. Um, so both of those guys were very good, uh, great. Uh, they were uh, great talking about, you know, a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, I think they're, um, motivated to talk about it because they know it can help people and uh, you know mental health is something that everyone deals with I mean uh, not just you know student athletes but I think um, and I talked to a couple uh, you know pretty big time experts too who work with NBA players and they say that you know the more that it's normalized the more that players talk about it you know it can inspire other people and uh, help a lot of other people because you know that's something that you know a lot of people go through and uh, you know I feel like uh, division one athletes are looked up to as kind of these super, you know, super athletes, uh, superheroes. And, uh, to know that, you know, they have their struggles that, that they're, you know, normal, just like us. I mean, I think that's, uh, uh, pretty inspiring for a lot of people, a lot of, uh, younger, you know, younger kids that kind of get it out there, even, even fans. Uh, so that, that, I think that'll be a pretty powerful story because, uh, just the, how good those guys were about talking about it, opening up and sharing stuff. So that'll be a good story uh, coming out Thursday, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'm going to start doing a, a deep dive on Drake and start pumping out some uh, game content, probably coming up here Tuesday, Wednesday. And then, like I said, um, we'll talk to the players and coach on Wednesday. I think that's going to be the only one we get before Thursday's game. And then, um, and then I'll be there in Lafayette on Wednesday night. So 
um, I'll be at the game on Thursday and uh, have plenty of coverage. And uh, I don't know how, you know, I'm probably going to be sitting up in the in the rafters at, at Purdue, but I'll be there. So, um, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Hopefully I can stay out of Twitter jail and I'll, I'll have a lot of updates on there, too. And uh, it sounds like the Shockers have already sold out of their allotment of tickets, so we should have some Shocker fans there as well. Yeah, it sounds like the athletic department had 150 they could sell, and it sounds like they went really quick. So, um, um, yeah, they just encourage people to go to the second um, or the resale market and, you know, uh, uh, StubHub and Ticketmaster and Vivid Tickets and all that, Vivid Seat or whatever it's called. Uh, um, Yeah, it looks like uh, tickets are decently cheap. I think it was like I found. Found one for one oh, or they were like right around a hundred, so not not too bad for NCAA tournament game. So, um, yeah, fans interested. That's that's where WSU ticket office told me to direct people was uh, just tell them to look on the resale market now. And Shocker Baseball is going to have the first ever event at the new Riverfront Stadium that was announced today. Yeah, that's uh, they're going to open up the the new stadium. Um, so yeah, I mean that's exciting for baseball fans in Wichita. Um, I know a lot of people in Wichita have been looking forward to getting that open, um, you know, being able to enjoy that experience downtown along the river. And, uh, you know, obviously Wichita has put a lot of money into building that place up. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be exciting for, for fans to be able to get out there and enjoy. I think it's an afternoon game on a uh, in April, so um, 2 p.m. game against uh, Houston. Uh, so that'll be exciting for WSU fans, and I think that we'll see couple of you know just switch off baseball fans too uh, come out and enjoy and uh, open up that 90 million dollar stadium so um, i think that's exciting for a lot of people down there all right well it'll be an exciting week maybe three games in one weekend or you know plus a monday as as we had with our <laughs> buy or sell segment it's been fun all season long regardless of what happens we'll be back with at least one more show to wrap up the season and look ahead to next season but I, I say we go on a run here you know why not us we're having too much fun for this to only have one more episode i agree taylor what should our listeners do got to raise five stars this show is part of the ict podcast network for more information visit ictpod.net <laughs>